All right, well, hey, we're jumping back into our Matthew series, and Matthew is giving us, we've been in this series since the beginning of the year, and we're going verse by verse through the book of Matthew, and what it is giving us is an opportunity to see who Jesus is for real, to have his firsthand eyewitness account of who God is, watching Jesus as he worked, as he walked, as he ministered to people. Uh, Matthew is giving us this close personal testimony of what Jesus can do when he gets involved in someone's life. And how many of you know he can do a lot of things? How many know he can change you completely? And that's exactly what he did for Matthew. And it's what he wants to do for us. And that's what Matthew wants us to experience. And what Matthew is showing us is that Jesus is bringing his kingdom, the kingdom of God. And it's a kingdom that doesn't look anything like the kingdoms of this world. You, you could say it's an upside-down kingdom. It's an upside-down kingdom. It's a kingdom where the greatest are the least and the last are first, where surrender looks like victory and where giving equates to gain. It's so different from the kingdoms of this world, and it's the kingdom. It's the only kingdom that will fill the soul, and it's, what, it's the kingdom that all of us are looking for, and Jesus is bringing that kingdom and Matthew is introducing us to this great person named Jesus Christ. And last week we talked about how Jesus is the answer. We looked at how Jesus is the answer, how he's bringing the answer. He's providing the answer. He is the answer. And if we'll believe him, he will move in our lives. And this week we're going to talk about how Jesus is bringing this kingdom, that he is the answer to, to our world, and how he's using normal, ordinary people to do it, okay? And so the, the, the message today is um, uh, is kingdom impact team okay so if you're taking notes write that down kingdom impact team and i want you to as you're as you're saying that in your brain think about like 80s graphics going kingdom impact team think about that that's i i i, I was trying to come up with like a more cool title but I actually wanted to be cheesy think think 80s comic book all right so i was thinking either guardians of the kingdom or kingdom impact squad but i landed on kingdom impact team. All right, so that's the message today. And I want to talk about this. I want you to think about like um, about um, like a movie. So how many of you, how many of you uh, like the Marvel movies? Just raise your hand if anybody likes the Marvel movies. How many of you have ever seen a Marvel movie? You just don't happen to like it. Okay, so a few more people. How many people have ever seen a movie? Just want to make sure we're all breathing here today. Okay, so have you noticed a little bit of a theme with the Marvel movies? Have you noticed like that they are all exactly the same? Can we all just agree on this for a moment? They are all exactly the same. There is a bad guy who is pure evil, who is trying to take over and destroy the world. And then there is a hero who overcomes incredibly difficult odds. And he's really powerful but he doesn't save the world by himself. He needs a sidekick, a best friend, a team of rebels, a butler. Come on, somebody, Batman. And they work together. And in this working together, they overcome evil and they win the day. Every superhero movie is like this. Can we get an amen? <laughs> like, they're all like this. And yet, they continue to make money. 
like real money. I don't have the stats. Maybe for second service, I'll find some stats because like it's in the billions of dollars. Like these movies come out and they just, they just kill. People go out to see it. It's just amazing. And so literally the other, like this is just in the last two weeks. All right. I was uh, pulling up yeah, one of the streaming services. And I was like, all right, I'll, you know, trying to find something. I was like, all right, I'll watch one of these movies again. And I'm literally like, there's nothing they can do that surprises me at this point. I've seen it all. People die. They go, come back. There's multiverses. Like, there's nothing that they can surprise me with. And yet, I'm so, and I'm literally like, I know I'm not going to like this. I literally started the movie with a lack of faith. I know, it's sad, okay? I started the movie thinking, there's no way this is going to be good. There's no way they're going to pull me in. I'm just going through the motions to say that I've watched it. I'm trying to kill some time. I start watching the movie. Sure enough, hour and a half into the movie, I'm all into it. I'm all into it. Like, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm rooting for the good guys. I can't stand the bad guys. At the end of the movie, I'm tearing up. I'm tearing up. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's so great. I'm, I was glad I was watching it by myself. It was a little embarrassing. Because <laughs> I'm literally like, oh, this is so great. Man. They, they saved the world again. Every single movie is like this. Have you ever noticed this? Have you ever thought why? Have you ever thought why, like, every superhero movie is the exact same plot line? I mean, they change the characters out, but it's the same plot line, bad guy, hero raises up with a group of people. They take, they, they, they win. It's amazing. Every single superhero movie is like this, and I believe that the reason this is the case is because this is the great story of life. This is the great story of life. This is the story that all of us experience and have experienced, that there is an enemy, an enemy of our souls, who is, who is trying to wreak havoc, who is pure evil, and is bringing his pure evil against people. But praise God, there is a hero who rises up and who did raise up from the dead. He overcame death, hell, and the grave, defeating evil. And he is bringing his kingdom, and yet he doesn't do it alone. He uses, he uses a team. And we actually see this in the Gospels. Like, this actually starts in the Gospels. So that's happening right here now, but it actually happens in like, kind of like this little pre-trial phase of the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 9. So if you're following along with us in your Bible, Matthew chapter 9, let's turn there. I want to show you how Jesus is, is bringing his kingdom, and he's going to use the kingdom impact team, which is you and me, and uh, it's going to be powerful. So we're going to walk through, we're going to, I want to walk through the, the, the verses here. Honestly, even uh, as I was uh, getting ready, I was uh, talking to a friend of mine before the service, and I was like, man, these verses today make some of the best some of the best in all the stuff that we've looked at yet, I really believe. And so I pray that it will speak to you uh, in the same way that it's been speaking to me this week. Because I'm challenged. I'm challenged today. Uh, I'm challenged to, to lean into this and, and partner with God to push back the darkness. And so if you're ready to jump in, say I am. All right, Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages. Everybody say All. All the towns, he's going through every single town and 
village, and he's teaching in their synagogues, which is, which is like a local, uh, in that day it was a Jewish church, for lack of better terms. So where they'd get together, they'd read the Torah, they'd talk about God, they would sing. And he's so he's teaching there, and then he's proclaiming the news of the kingdom and healing every disease. Everybody say every. So he's going through all the towns, and he's healing every disease. Let's put ourselves in the story for a minute. Okay, Galilee, we're talking about a very relatively small area, about 70 by 40 miles. We have some shots we're going to show you here of what Galilee was like. Okay, so this is northern Galilee. It's a very mountainous area, and it's, it's uh, the, the terrain, it's very natural still even to this day. And so you can, even if you go there today, you can get an idea of, you can even see the trails where, where uh, the pathways, as Jesus is walking, there's, Josephus is a historian, he tells us there's probably just over 200 cities and towns that Jesus would have been ministering in. And at about 10 to 15,000 people per town, there's 3 million people in Galilee. So Jesus is going through every town, and he's healing every sickness and disease. I mean, he's working hard, and he's not turning anybody away. And, and then he's teaching in the synagogues. We have some, some uh, synagogue shots here as well. Um, this, is the, this, is a, uh, this is built on a first century synagogue. The actual building is something they imported later. Uh, but this is right by the Sea of Galilee, and this is in the town of Capernaum. So this is probably a place where Jesus would have taught multiple times. So Jesus is teaching in a synagogue right at this location. And he's stepping out. I think this is so cool. He's stepping out of that synagogue. Just picture it, okay? He's stepping out of that synagogue, and he starts healing every sickness, every disease. People who have problems, they have issues, they're coming to him. And he is healing every sickness and disease. He's grinding. He's working hard. There's a scene from uh, The Chosen. How many of you have ever seen The Chosen? Raise your hand if you've seen it. It's very powerful. Gives you a lot of perspective on the Bible. I encourage you to check it out. But there's this scene where he's working all day. He's healing all day. And, and it's late at night, and he, he's coming back to his tent, and he's worn out. And you can tell he's just tired. He's fatigued, and, and the disciples are all sitting by the fire. And, and it's all, he just says, good night, and he goes straight to his tent. And he can barely take off his sandals because he's worked so hard. This is the picture. I mean, you got to think, this is taking months for Jesus to do, to go through every town and every village, and heal every sickness and every disease. I mean, this is, this is old school, y'all. This is like blue collar. This is like pre-pandemic work ethic. Come on, somebody. Why is he doing all of this? Why is he doing all of this? Look, verse 36. I love this. And this is why I love this passage, because it's all put together. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Now, this is not Jesus' words. These are not Jesus' words. These are Matthew's words. So Matthew is putting this little commentary on what is happening here because he's wanting us to be able to see what Jesus' heart was like. He's wanting us to see how Jesus thought about this. He's saying when he saw them, he had compassion. The, the word compassion there, that there is the Greek word splendidsomai, and it means to have a deep empathy to feel in one's gut have you ever had that feeling where you feel it in your gut 
where you're like, I know I've got to do something about this. I can't just sit here and let this happen. Jesus is feeling this because he is seeing the people and they are, they are harassed and helpless. And Matthew says it's like sheep without a shepherd. No, undoubtedly, tying into things that Jesus had talked about before. In fact, I believe Matthew's trying to tie into uh, what Jesus would say in John 10.10 10, where he says, uh, where he's talking about people and how they're sheep. And he says this, a thief is only there to steal and kill and destroy. We have an enemy. We have a bad guy, and he is there to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus says, I am the hero who has come so that they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. So I believe that Jesus is watching these crowds, and he's seeing them, and he's seeing their brokenness, and he's seeing the sickness and the disease that they're walking uh, with, that they're carrying, and, and the discouragement that they're facing. And he says, they're, Matthew says, they're harassed and helpless. Now, those two words are very interesting because harassed means annoyed, but it, but it also means skinned alive. So it's this idea of like, man, the enemy is just skinning people alive. And because of it, they're helpless. That word means thrown down. Very interesting. So they're being skinned alive. They're being thrown down, and Jesus steps in. To push back the darkness, to restore things back to their original intent. But Jesus says, I can't do this alone. There's too many people, too many needs, too much opposition. It's all too much. So he goes to his disciples, verse 37. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. It's like, man, you see all this. There's three million people. We've been going through this for three months now. The harvest is plentiful. But the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore to send out workers into his harvest field. And then we go right into chapter 10. Again, these chapters were added later. So this is, I mean, this thing is flowing right into itself here. So Jesus called his 12 disciples to, to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Very different people, but what I want to just point out right now, and we'll talk about here in just a few minutes, are all very ordinary, and yet they are super effective because God is sending them out with power. Verse 5, these 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Again, this is a little pre-trial to the Great Commission. He's keeping it close. He says, go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. And as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. What's he saying? He's saying, hey, you know what we've been doing? What you've been watching me do over these last few months? As we've been going through every town, as we've been healing every person, you've been watching me, now I want, I want you to go do this. I am sending you out. Operate in the same power that you have seen me operate. And then he concludes it with such a beautiful phrase, freely you have received, so freely give. This is such a powerful passage of scripture. 
Jesus is showing us, man, he is, this again, this little pretrial to the Great Commission that will come at the end of the book, right? Matthew chapter 28, the Great Commission. But he's saying, hey, I want, I want you to understand how this works. This is how I work, and this is how I want you to work. I'm sending you out to be my kingdom impact team, all right? And there's four ways that, there are four things I think we can see about Jesus. Number one, Jesus is saving the world. Number two, Jesus doesn't save the world alone. Number three, Jesus uses ordinary people to save the world. And then fourth, this is our motive. Jesus' grace is what drives us to save the world. Four things, very elemental, but incredibly powerful if we will apply them to our lives. All right, we're going to jump into this, unpack this, and then we're going to pray and believe God to do powerful things in our heart and through us at the end of our service. Before we do, I want you to find three people and say, hey, Jesus is saving the world and he needs your help. Come on, find three people and just say, Jesus is saving the world and he needs your help. You're the butler. You're the sidekick. He's the hero. But we come alongside and we work with him. Okay? Number one, Jesus is saving the world. Why is Jesus saving the world? Because the world needs saving. Does anybody see that? The world's messed up. The world's getting more messed up by the day. Why is that happening? It's because the world needs saving. There's an enemy. He's, he's, run, he's run rampant. That's why Matthew's saying they're like helpless and harassed like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus calls us sheep. He says, I'm the good shepherd who looks after my sheep. Matthew's calling us sheep. Sheep are really cute. Like they're really cute. But how many of you know being called a sheep is not a compliment? It's kind of like it's kind of like a it's kind of like saying bless your heart. It's like nice and really condescending at the same time. It's like you're really sweet and an idiot. Like that's what that's what's happening here. Why why is this the case? Sheep are very vulnerable to attack. They have no way to defend themselves. No way. And when the wolves come, they only have the shepherd. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's like, man, I've seen the enemy and he has worked his way. Do you know that our enemy, there is an enemy, the devil. He is the enemy of our souls and he is cunning and he is crafty and he is deceitful and he knows how to attack you and he does not fight fair. How many of you know he doesn't wait for you to get up, you know, Get your boxing gloves on and go, all right, now let's go. You ready? Ding, ding, ding. He doesn't do that. He waits till you're not looking and then just clocks you in the side of the head. That's how he does. And then when you go down, he starts stomping you. He punches below the belt. He doesn't fight fair. When you're ready to throw on the towel, he ups the ante. You know what he wants to do for all of us? He wants to get us alone and get us discouraged to get us doubting, is God even real? Does God even care? Do any of these believers even care? And the answer is yes. He does, and we need to. We need to have compassion. That's what Jesus says. He says, I look out and I see them. And they're, they're helpless, they're harassed. And Jesus steps in when all hope is lost. When the enemy has done his ravaging, he steps in and he steps up. 
because he doesn't just have a superpower. He is supernatural. He's got the Holy Spirit moving and working through him. The creative power of God, the healing power of God, the restorative power of God working through him. So when Jesus shows up, y'all, things happen. When Jesus comes onto the scene, things change. When he shows up, blind eyes open. We've seen that in Matthew. Lame people walk again. The dead are raised. And when he goes to the cross, he takes the sin of the world upon him, sin he didn't deserve, and he overcomes it. And then he overcomes death, hell, and the grave. He saves the world, and he is saving the world today. His spirit goes out. His spirit is calling out. His voice is calling out. And he is calling out to anybody who feels harassed and helpless. He's looking for anybody who's been ravaged by the enemy's lies. He wants to bring hope to anybody who feels hopeless. He wants to bring joy to anybody who feels joyless. Life to anybody who feels lifeless. To anybody who's been bitten by the deceitful nature of sin. God wants to step in and he wants to take you back from the enemy. He saves. He is saving. Church, the the truth of the matter is that Jesus does save and he saves today. And he saves completely. And he saves for real. And he saves from the inside out. And he can turn anybody's life around. I've seen it in my life and I know he can do it for you. So you might be here today. You might be here today and you might need that. You might, you might feel hopeless. You might feel beaten up. You might feel like you're getting skinned alive. I've got good news. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. And he can work in your life. He can work in your marriage. He can work in your situation. There is no situation that God can't do something. You need to know that. You need to believe that because that is gospel truth. Yeah, we give the Lord a hand clap of praise for that. So Jesus saves the world, but secondly, he doesn't save the world alone. He doesn't save the world alone. Tell someone next to you, this is where you come in. Come on, tell someone next to you, this is where you come in. This is where you come in. You've got to think, this is what Jesus is doing. He's doing all of this, going to all of these different towns, and What he's showing them is there is no way that one person can speak to all of these needs, right? Jesus understands that the one-man model does not scale. And Jesus also understands that there are more people coming. There are more people who are going to be born. I mean, at that time, there is a lot less people on the planet than there are today. So Jesus knows that, man, we've got to do something about this. People are coming with their needs, and he says, the workers are few. Whoever, whoever says the Bible isn't relevant today, just isn't reading the Bible. Come on, somebody. How many know the workers are few? <laughs> we, I took my, my son to Colorado uh, this summer, and I, I saw this picture at the grocery store. I thought it was really great. The world, the whole world is short-staffed. Please be kind to those who showed up. I was like, yeah, the workers are few. The workers are few. I love what Jesus is putting on a master class of leadership here. Because he's modeling, right? He's modeling how to speak to the needs of the world. 
And then he's like, guys, do you see, like, we're, there's no way we can sustain this. So what are we going to do? What are we going to do? He says, look, the fields are white. The, the people are still coming. It's harvest time. So what are we going to do? Church, this is a great question for us. It's a great question. Because the harvest is plentiful. The enemy is real. So what are we going to do? What are we going to do about the state of affairs in our society? How many of you would admit that the world is just a little messed up? But here's, what, here's, the, here's the trap we fall into. We either criticize it or we run from it, right? Criticize it. Oh, I tell you what, this world, not like it used to be, right? Oh, man, I tell you what, this world's going to hell in a handbasket. I hope Jesus comes back soon. Man, remember the whole good old days when we'd have to deal with all this nonsense. Or, so we criticize it, or we run away from it. People have gone crazy. Head for the hills. Let's get together with our own little commune of people who only listen to worship music and who, who make all of their own clothes because every corporation has sold their soul to the devil. Am I preaching yet? Because I just think that I just might be preaching yet. Is this what Jesus says? No. It's, it's like he's like, you know why? Because he ain't messing around with all the, the, like the surface stuff. He's going to the heart. He sees past all of that drama. All of the stuff that the enemy wants us to get all distracted by. And he says, no, these, they're, they're helpless and they're harassed. He says, he says but what are we going to do about this? And you would think Jesus would say, you guys need to go. Right? That would be like the first thing. Go. But he doesn't say that. He says, pray. He says, pray. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. He's about to send them, but before he does, he says, pray. Why? Because there is great power in prayer. You might think you don't have any power. You have power. If you are connected in relationship with God, you have the power of prayer. And prayer changes things. Prayer is where we align our hearts with God. It's where convictions get rooted. Prayer is where our selfishness meets conviction, and that ends up resulting in sacrifice. Because the more time we spend with God, the more we become like him. And the more we become like him, the less selfish we will be. And the more that we will see those around us, and even those who don't believe like we do, not as our enemies, but as fellow brothers and sisters who are helpless and who are harassed and who have been fallen prey to the enemy's schemes. So Jesus says, pray and watch your heart change. This speaks to the partnership nature of God. He does the heavy lifting. By far, he does the heavy lifting. He lives a perfect life. He dies a substitutionary death. He sends his spirit to lead and help us. But he asks us to pray. 
I want to challenge you to, to pray. Before you criticize, pray. Before you run away from a situation, pray. Because we are not meant to be on the retreat. We're meant to be on the offense, church. We are meant to bring light. We are meant to bring hope. God wants to use you to be a part of his kingdom impact team. Question is, do you believe that he can do it? Because he can. And watch what he says. He doesn't send us out alone. He sends us with power. Verse 7, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. This is amazing. Jesus says, what you've seen me do, now go do. It sounds like what he says in John 14 and verse 12. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will even do greater things. Everybody say greater things. Come on, everybody with strength say greater things. Because I am going to the Father. He says, listen, I'm going to go, and then when I, when I leave, I'm going to send the Spirit. You're going to do everything I've been doing. But you're, it's going to be greater in impact because of the sheer volume of it. One man can only do so much, but Jesus says, I'm going away, and I'm sending my Spirit so that you can do more. Look at verse eight, uh, uh, Romans 8, verse 11. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, which it is, if you are a believer, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. This is the idea, church. Jesus is changing the world. He is empowering people, and he is using you to bring his hope and his light and his goodness and his grace to a lost and hurting world that happens to be helpless and harassed by right now but by the grace of God we are going to do something about it and they will be found and forgiven very soon I just want to I want to encourage you church we have the truth we have the truth not my truth not your truth we have the truth the truth that pierces through, the, the truth that cuts through, convicts the heart and brings hope and life. That's what we have. We have God, and God wants to use us. What kind of people does God use? Well, he uses ordinary people to change the world. Ordinary people. He starts with the disciples, right? And we hold them in esteem today. If you see paintings of the disciples today, they usually have halos on them, right? And they usually have like an angelic stance. Like, they look perfect. But let me just tell you, these guys were super ordinary. He didn't, he didn't go to the people who were incredibly, like, philosophical or intelligent or wealthy. He went to fishermen. Primarily, most of them are fishermen. So, a lot of them, we don't even know what they did or who they were. It's random, strangers. One was a tax collector, so he's a thug. One's a liar and a betrayer. You, when you watch these guys, they're selfish, they're ambitious, they're possessive, they get jealous, they're slow to see what God is doing, and yet God chooses them. God chooses normal, ordinary people. Do you know this? And God wants to use you today. You know, the, the world is looking for purpose. The world is starving for meaning, and we have it. If you're a believer, you have it. 
actually have it. It's like you have a superpower. God, God wants to use you. You have meaning, you have purpose, and God wants to use you to bring that hope and meaning to a lost and hurting world. And how and why? Because of his grace. Because of his grace. Jesus' grace is what drives us to save the world. Verse 8 says this, freely you have received, freely give. You've been blessed with so much, now be a blessing. You know, sometimes it's easy to, to forget how blessed we have been. Because we're so focused on what we don't have. We're so focused on the things that aren't working in our lives. And Jesus is like, you've been so blessed. Now go be a blessing. Freely you have received. Freely give. Sounds like the Abrahamic blessing that Jesus ultimately fulfills. Genesis chapter 12, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. And I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I believe there are primarily two types of Christians in the world today. And I say this in great love. There are consumer Christians and there are commission Christians. Consumer Christians say, more, more, I need more, I need more Bible study, I need more services, I need more worship, I just need, I need more, I need more, it's not enough, I just need all of these, I need more, I'm, I, I'm never satisfied, I just got to keep getting more, more, I just, whatever I need, I just need more, it's not enough, I got to get, I just more, 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 I just, it's all about me, me, me. It's never, it's never deep enough for a consumer Christian. It's never rich enough for a consumer Christian. They always want more, it's just, it's, they're not, they live constantly dissatisfied. Let me just say this for a second. The reason, the reason that exists is because we've allowed our culture to infiltrate our spirit. We live in a very consumeristic culture. That's not the disciples. A commissioned Christian doesn't say more, more. A commissioned Christian says give, give. That's what a commissioned Christian does. Because a consumer Christian is about me, me, but a commissioned Christian is about him, him. His kingdom, his righteousness, his mission. It's not about me, it's about him. So we've got to look at the fields. We've got to look at the fields. They are white unto harvest. We've got to pray. We've got to ask God to do something about it. As we pray, he's going to change our heart, and he's going to use us to make an impact in our community, in our world today. I just want you to know, Christian, I want you to know, believer, that God wants to use you to impact your neighbors. God wants to use you to impact the people in your workplace, the people you don't like, the people you, don't, you can't stand, the people who, who maybe make fun of you for your belief system. Listen, listen. They're not evil. They just bought into the lie. They're helpless. They're harassed. Do you see them as such? They're not your enemy. He is your, the enemy. Satan, the devil, he is the enemy. And, he's, and he's, he's wreaked havoc. But you have a superpower. You have the one who made the world, who loves you, who has called you, who is changing you and who is commissioning you to go into the world and make a difference. The question is, will you say yes?